Hello, everyone. A very quick one from me. It would be a massive help to us with our ambition to help as many recruiters as possible achieve their goals and also inspire the next generation to choose recruitment as a career if you hit that follow and subscribe button. If you're someone that prefers to learn in a visual way, we've also recently invested a lot in our video podcast experience. So in the show notes, you'll always be able to find the link to watch the video on our YouTube channel and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors podcast. I'm your host, Hisham Aziz, and this week I had the fantastic Mitchell Franklin join me in the studio to discuss his recruitment journey. This is one not to be missed. Mitch has been on a really interesting journey where he's always believed in himself. He joined a company called Signify and very quickly climbed the ranks, was the first person in that business to invoice for a million pounds. And in uh, the last year, he's actually gone on his own recruitment journey and built his own business. We talked about cracking the US, we talked about developing culture, and uh, we really uncovered Mitch's mindset, which really has helped him get to the top. Enjoy the episode. Mitch. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, mate. Like we said before, it's been a long time coming. Long it? time coming, yeah. Obviously, when um, when we first spoke, you was in the US. Yeah. What part of the US was you in? Uh, LA. LA. Yeah. Back and forth, but yeah, stayed yeah, in LA. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, spoke to you there when you worked for your previous company. And um, we thought, obviously, a year into you having your own company, probably perfect time to sit down and yeah. reminisce, talk about what you've learned, challenges, but obviously where, where we wanted to start was just talking about the trajectory at Signify and, and how you sort of climbed the ranks, came a top performer there. So if we start there, and then we'll, we'll definitely focus on the You Matter piece, but I want to always kick this off with the million pound question, which, is, uh, which I'm, I'm sure you've thought even more about now since you've, been, uh, since you've been building your own business, but would love to hear your thoughts on what you really believe are the characteristics and traits of a highly successful, high-performing modern-day recruiter. Well, like I say, it's a million-pound question. If anyone had the mm. answer, he'd literally yeah. sell it for a million, couldn't you, to all these companies? <laughs> but I think the answer isn't as simple as these are the traits. I think it's got to be what recruiter do you want to be? Because mm. if you want to be, if you want to hit your target, just work hard. Like, you don't need anything else, yeah, like, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. You can hit your target by pure hard work. You want to do more than your target. You've got to have a belief system. You've got to be curious. You've got to work, build better relationships. Mm. You have, and most importantly, accountability. Mm. To go above and beyond your target, you've got to start taking responsibility for yourself. Mm. But um, it depends how far you want to go, right? Like, mm. I've always had high expectations for myself and for our team as well. And um, yeah, I think take out everything else. So you, can, you can get by by sheer mm. hard work. Nothing else matters. So what have, what have ended up being some of the characteristics or, or things that you've, you've typically tried to look for in people the curiosity yeah like nice. because i don't think you can teach that and this is probably a whole other podcast about the educational system mm. but um people don't get taught how to think it's like what to think mm. so like you need to find people that have that naturally because they don't get taught that when they're younger mm. so it's like you can find people that have navigated their way through life learning mm. how to think themselves mm. put them in a recruitment environment and they become a consultant rather than a talent scout or whatever else mm. like they're consulted from day one even with a talent scout title yeah so that naturally cur- the curiosity continued desire to learn and 
I've come back to that accountability all mm. the time because like no one's gonna no one's gonna build for you. Mm. I don't get me wrong now and again I do get the odd flick on, but um, like to get someone going, but you can't build a career off that. Mm. Like, you need to be accountable for how late you stay, how many hours you put in, how many hours you work in your days off. Yeah. So curiosity, always willing to learn, and then the accountability. I love yeah, that. Hundred percent. So who who was Mitch before recruitment then? So did you work in um, property? Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, who were obviously you said you've always had the high expectations and stuff, but who who was Mitch before recruitment? So I never wanted to get into business. You never wanted to get into business. I never wanted to work in an office. Never wanted to do anything like that. Why? What did you want? I wanted to be an RAF pilot. Fire oh wow. Pilot. Yeah. Okay. Um, Eyes weren't good enough. No, I dislocated my knee. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Two weeks before the really test. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, done. That was like pro- proper the dream basically. Since I was four years old. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Where did that come from? Just, uh, I got given a plane when I was four. When okay. I was on holiday by my nan, she gave me a little plane. Yeah. I was obsessed with it for years. Really? And for me, it was like the only job for me. Yeah. And then uh, I was working on a golf course at the time. Yeah. And that was plan B. I was like, if I don't be a fire pilot, I'll mm. go travel around the world being a greenkeeper, which is okay. to this day my favourite job. Like, greenkeeper? Yeah. Wait, so, so that's basically just... Cutting the grass. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, why cutting the grass. Why is, why is that? I love it. I've, I've played golf since I've been like 11. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's perfectionist, you know? Like, we took the golf course to number one in the county. Like since I was there, what, by cutting grass. Yeah, I was. Um, <laughs> I was only 16, and I got put in charge of a few people there. And wow. it was like, yeah, like this is this is a real passion. And like now I'm looking at houses for myself. Like me and my partner are looking, and she's like walking wardrobe and all this mm. stuff. And I'm like, yeah, just big garden. Because I'm, like, <laughs> I'm going to stripe it perfectly. <laughs> really? Yeah, like I'm obsessed with it. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, but so, yeah, so when that, did the first like busy, yeah like visit like so the knee office. the knee went. I tried to, really. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, what have we got to do now? And when it, when I was in school. I was like, made a lot of money. Like I actually left school and made less than I made in school. Wait, what, was you one of those guys that sold yeah, stuff? rented out free lockers, had a whole really? full, full CL operation. Because <laughs> I hated school, hated it. Yeah, like, yeah. Never... You, oh, I think everyone, like everyone's got, there was one or two people in their school year that was a yeah, person yeah. that had the sweets that you oh, could I was buy that guy. <laughs> Really? Wow. Yeah, I was that guy. And I had a wicked relationship with the teachers, even though I didn't like it, like I was good. You know, yeah. like I didn't fuck around, I was yeah. a good kid. And because of that, I leveraged those relationships and I lot stepped out of class when I needed to go and really? sell something to the guys. And Where that. did that come from then? Just, I think I've always been like independent. Like I've never wanted to take anything from anyone. Like mm. I've always wanted to do my own thing. Okay. And I was sitting in school, bored out my mind. There was a combination between what I want to... And I always like motorbikes. And my dad would never let me have one. Okay. So I was like, I'll just buy one myself if I have to. So I started asking for a £20 loan, put a full PowerPoint presentation together about <laughs> how I'm going to repay him. Um, he took me to Costco, bought £20 worth of stuff. And yeah, from that, paid him back and a bit more. And... Uh, Scaled it up Happy for days. four years. Four years. Yeah, so I did it from year eight to year ten. So yeah, oh, for, yeah, yeah, three and a half. You can make some serious bank doing that. Yeah, I yeah. always think that. I was making after cross like 50, 60 pound a day, which is like, really? as a decent, as a 13, 14 year old, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so as soon as as soon as the knee happened, I was like, right, like I can't do what I really want to do. Yeah. I can't follow my passion. Just make make money. Mm. Let's go for it. Mm. So, that end, so that ended up in property. Basically. Getting out of property, yeah, by mistake as well. Really? Yeah, I wanted to get into marketing. Okay. And then um, I went for an apprenticeship scheme. Mm. Didn't get the job. I got, did, got, didn't get like four jobs I went for. Really? Yeah, yeah. So like that whole story of like, I've never been rejected. Like, like I hear people say, it's like, not my story. Like, yeah. yeah, no one would have me. And I think that's because I was coming from the golf course. Like yeah. no one was interested in taking like yeah, manual labor. This, guy. guy's, this guy's been cutting grass. Yeah, exactly. Like. So no one would give him my shot. But then um, I had a estate agency reach out because mm. I was on like the apprenticeship yeah. like scheme. And he apparently he just saw my name and mm. really wanted to reach out. I chatted with him and... He brought me in as an apprentice. Cheap labour, isn't it? Yeah, it was, I, I took less money again. I, so yeah, I, yeah. I left. I took. I made less money when I left school. 
to work on the golf course and I made less money leaving the golf course to go in property but um, I'm I'm a big believer in taking a step back to go forward forward, I've always always done that so how how did you did you ended up like selling a property to a recruiter or something like that how did the recruitment piece happen nah so it was alright I enjoyed it I was in sales first um, and then this guy bought a house in cash um, and he sent me his FTFC proof of funds and he had 1.5 million there right. and I was like I'm in the wrong job like, <laughs> I mean, like, what's I need, this guy doing yeah well, what, like, I want to be one buying these houses not, mm. not selling them so um, I transitioned to Lettings anyway uh, managed the office mm. and then I was just there just sort of like this is this, I'm pretty much done here mm. like spoke to the director about like opening new offices and stuff and he was so 50-50 about it I was like I can't wait around forever then Dubai come around, opportunity out of nowhere. Oh, you went to Dubai? Yeah, never heard of Dubai before. Like, What did you get sold that classic, like, Devere group thing? Uh, nah, it was just a real estate agent, oh, right, 200k, yeah. earning potential. But it's never like heard commission, of o- commission, commission only? only. Yeah, no yeah. salary. That's a lot of people do so that, I was don't they? 18 at the time. Wow, really? Yeah, you went over? Yeah, I'd never heard of it. Within 60 days, I was in Dubai by myself. It was there? Yeah. How was that then? Yeah, slog. Yeah, real hard. Real, real hard. Yeah, tough, Commission man. only, and obviously I was only... 18, so I hadn't yeah. got the most amount of savings in the world by this point. Yeah. But I had enough, so I went over there about nine grand of savings. Yeah. What, literally, I've never really spent anything, so I literally went Saved over there. It, yeah. uh, my dad offered me a safety net, which was nice. Like mm. I knew I'd be all right if I needed a little bit, worst but case. I didn't want to take it. Yeah. Uh, went over there, met a guy that we started with, uh, Ewan, and he's probably like one of the biggest figures in my life now. Like He's five, six years older than me, hardest work I've ever worked with. Really? Like If he joined Newmatter today, like I'd love it. <laughs> really? But he's retired now. Yeah, retired, left Dubai, he's back in the UK doing property, doing HMOs. So So how long was you there for? Uh, Just over a year. Okay. Yeah. God, that, yeah, that must have been some serious grounding. I've never seen, like, to this day, like, like the most resilient salespeople I've worked with. Mm. Like, the the whole setup there just provided high performance. Mm. And the people that didn't cut it just got left out to dry. And the business model was exceptional. I feel like it could have been done a little bit differently, Mm. like, looking after the people they had but they didn't need to, like they were just churning through people. I think about a person left per week at the time. Yeah. I know they've taken steps forward They'll since. just burn through people until yeah. the, the people that are left are yeah, like yeah. performing. And From what that. I hear, they're looking after a lot of people now a bit more. And um, the, the, the owner of it, like mm. he's a good guy, like very good businessman. I look up to him in a bit. And what I learned there was pivotal for going into recruitment. Mm. So let's go into the recruitment piece then. So like, was, is there any story of like how you got into it then? Did you meet someone or did you know you wanted to get so into it? So there was a or? guy that um, went to school with my brother. Mm. Um, I had him on LinkedIn and he was in recruitment. Mm. And it was like, well, I mean, it seems pretty straightforward, a lot of transferable skills. So I thought I'll look into it. Spoke to this, spoke to our rec to rec. Um, he was quality, just worked with him. And he told me all about it. And I was like, all right, like, sweet. When, when, I, when I actually met him for the first time, I thought I was interviewing for, for their company. Yeah, it's so common now. Yeah, yeah. So he um, started talking about their companies, met five, four, yeah, met four companies. And when I came back to the UK from Dubai, I also met with an, an estate agency to manage their office. And it was just the same shit. Like, I, I knew it weren't right. But then I met these recruitment companies, also knew they weren't right. So um, I, only, I only meant to spend like four to six months in recruitment and I was going to get out of it again. I was going to start my own property business. Mm. So uh, recruitment was a short-term fix, but I, f- I always knew recruitment was at the heart of, um, of any business. So I thought, let me go into it. Let me learn how to hire yeah, people, yeah. learn, learn like, work in the city, see what it's like. And then, yeah, I met, met with five companies, four or five companies, all the same, like literally all the same. And then I was going to accept one. And then Dan, who I was working with, he said, look, I've got one more for you. I can set you up tomorrow morning. And I was like, I've seen so many already. Like, it's going to be another one. 
And he said, let me book it in. And I was like, all right, I may or may not go to it. Went to sleep that night f- fully thinking I'm not going to go. Mm. Woke up and I was like, I'm doing nothing. Like, mm. I'll just go. Mm. Met Signify and I was like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the place for me. So let's just talk about that for a sec. So you know when you say they're all the same? Yeah. What do you mean? Suited and booted, like big corporate office, like the white walls, the blue carpet, mm. like the just the corporate buildings, same talk, same thing, same promises, mm. like same same sort of size they were as well. Like how was I going to make an impact to this business mm. that's already got 300 people in? Mm. Like, so who did, who did you meet, Ryan? Yeah, uh, and- Ryan, Laws, Charlie. What was that? So how, where was the business at when you met them? Uh, about seven people. So I think I was oh, seven, wow, three okay. people, yeah, super, super young. So yeah, it's a completely just different proposition their, then. Yeah, they just transitioned to their second office. So they'd mm. been at one and uh, they moved to their second one. Mm. And uh, yeah, super, super early on. So what, what struck you there then? Just the people that you would immediately be able for, to learn for me, from like, the impact? Dubai was good, right? Like, and... I struggled in Dubai mentally, like I hit a real lower depression. Cause okay. like, I went there and got everything I wanted, but I still wasn't happy. Okay. So I knew I had to come away and do and be part of something bigger than myself because Dubai is standing on your own two feet. Like yeah. there's there's no one else there. There's no there's no end goal. Like mm. you just how much money can you earn this month and next month and the month after? And that didn't really give you fulfillment. Nah, no, I was yeah like really struggled there. So when I came back, I thought I've got to be part of something bigger than myself. And meeting these other recruitment companies, it's like, going to be the same shit. Same, yeah. And that's why I was like, I'll accept one because I'm going to leave and do my own business anyway. Um, and I knew I weren't quite ready anyway to start straight away. Like I knew I hadn't got the leadership attributes and stuff like that. So I thought I need to go somewhere and learn some stuff. And then when I met those guys, I was like, this is the place where I'm going to learn all this. Like mm-hmm. These are the guys I'm going to learn from, probably earn a bit more money, be yeah. a bit more fulfilled while I'm here. But yeah, it was never supposed to be long term. I've, I've generally thought six months max. So, so when you left, what did the company look like? Obviously, we've had Ryan on the pod, so like, what, I think that'd be good just to get that context. So, like, I think, you joined uh, I think we're about 35 people. And you was in the US? I was in the US. So I, I went over to the US in 2019. Me and Charlie went over there to open, to open up their US open piece. Up the US, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what do you think a career in recruitment has given you then that maybe you least expected? Um, yeah, I thought about this question. <laughs> it's, it's a tough one, really, because I think a lot of people will, will think about like, I never expected to earn the money I did, okay. honestly. Like, it mm. went above my expectation. That's changed my life and the people around me in their life. Yeah. I never expected to travel so much. But for me, it's like, it's provided me with, like, my personal life now. Like, some of my best friends are people I've met for recruitment. Okay. Like, my network and my partner. Like, I met her on, in, on an incentive trip. Really? Like, I would have never met her through recruitment. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, I've got my whole life now because I spent three it's years in recruitment. It's all been influenced by a career, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. So you was at Signal 5 for, was it, like, three years? Three years, yeah. yeah three years, nice. So obviously, looking at that, from what I can see, you obviously was the first person to invoice million pounds. Uh, you was top biller for, for a year. So that's obviously what people are interested in. That's why people listen to this podcast. So let's think about, obviously, the, that amazing achievement of being the first person in the company to invoice the, the million pound. Let's unpack that a bit, I guess. What would you say are some of the things that maybe, if you, to, in hindsight, some of the things that maybe you did differently from the people around you, that you think maybe would have helped you got there quicker. This podcast is proudly partnered with the award-winning Sourcebreaker. Now, I think it's safe to say that right now the market is crazy. Continue to hear people saying, never seen the market like it, and I continue to speak to recruiters who are inundated with jobs, which is why I'm not surprised that the number one word that I'm always hearing at the moment is automation. And if you're looking at how you can enable your teams to spend more time on what they're brilliant at, building relationships, speaking to people, then you need to look at Sourcebreaker. It's helped countless recruitment companies scale more quickly, 
enable their younger recruits and their rookies to get better more quickly and automate a whole lot of the the work that a lot of recruiters are probably not so good at and the work that, that maybe they don't enjoy as much. Because you listen to this podcast, you're going to be able to get an exclusive discount on the Sourcebreaker product. So if you have not already, get a demo booked in with Sourcebreaker. Use the link in the show notes. You will not regret it. If you're thinking about that word automation in 2022, you need to consider Sourcebreaker. I just knew, I was my belief system. Like, belief system. Yeah, yeah. I, in my first two weeks, I was at the pub with a few of the leadership guys, and I said, in, in in the future, like I'm gonna overtake all of you, and like in a okay. boundary way, but like we had a good relationship, but like, I meant it as well. Okay. Like I genuinely believed I'd go to the top, and then we, I spent six and a bit months billing in 20, um, 2018, the first year, yeah. and I was the second top biller. Like mm. I was just shy of Charlie. Was Charlie's my mentor, and yeah. I contribute pretty much everything that mm. I know of the foundations. Yeah, yeah. And I was just shy of him, even though I was only billing for six months. Really? Um, it was like, we were like 10 grand between us in that first year. And I finished what, Why, I finished why did you think he was able to do that though? I literally worked every day, every just, hour. Yeah. Like I, they gave me a key to the office really early on. So mm. I was like, literally on there on Saturdays, like I traveled to London. I couldn't even afford to pay for the train when I started. So I literally used to jump the barrier, bring my, <laughs> bring my little packed lunch. And I, I, I would <laughs> really? Yeah, you know, I had nothing. And I was like, I'm, for me, like my goals wasn't a goal. It's like it was a non-negotiable. Yeah. Like I envisioned before I left Dubai, I set up a 24-month plan. Okay. And um, at the end of it, it was like I had loads of little goals, but I had like a little catchphrase. I was like, at the end of it, I'll be ripped and rich. Fucking hell. 50%. Like yeah, Jeez. I didn't work out as much as I wanted to. <laughs> But um, so where like have you have you got a chip on your shoulder? Like have you feel, do you feel like you have got something to prove? No, not really. Yeah, I just never want to rely on anybody. Yeah. And because I just find that because like so a lot of people, I'm sure you've sat down with people that have said the same things that you did. But yeah. how many people actually? Well, and get that's what I think. For me, it's non, it was a non-negotiable. Like I hear yeah. a lot of people say a lot of things, and it's like how much does that really mean to you? Mm. Like is that a must-have? Like, I had quite a good upbringing. Like, mm. we didn't have anything when I was younger. We used to live in a two-bed flat, mm. me and my brother and my parents. My dad was a lorry driver. My mum worked in a bar. So it's like, they're never around. Mm. And uh, I, I feel like this is not the life I want. Like, mm. my parents gave me everything, and I'm so, so happy for that. But mm. it wasn't the life I want for my future. Like, yeah, yeah. I want to be around. I want freedom. Like, my dad was grafting. My dad's, like, a harder worker than me. Like, mm. grafts and grafts and grafts. So you've always had that for, work ethic. Yeah, but for other people. And I'm like, you're grafting for what? Like, where's the end goal? And I, I think, like, I, I remember being, like, young, young, thinking that. So for me, it's like, I know what my life's going to look like mm. from very young. Like, I know what it's going to look like. It's complete belief. Yeah, so it's like my, my when I say, like, I was going to be top biller, I was going to build a million. Like, mm. in 2019, I said to the guys, I'm going to build a million this year. Mm. And they're like, you're not, like, it's crazy. It's crazy. You just had complete belief in yourself. I knew I was going to do it. How can, how do you think people can cultivate more self-confidence and self-belief, do you think? Self-confidence, I wish I knew. I'm not a confident person. Okay. I doubt myself a lot. Really? And I think that is probably what drives me on. Mm. Because I don't know how I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, I, like, I wish I could like, give, a, give a blueprint to our current team. Like, guys, this is exactly what to do. It's exactly mm. what to say. But I, I think it's that fear of this could stop at any moment. Stop, yeah. That I'm not going to let it. Like, I'm not mm. going to take my foot off the gas. Mm. It's the momentum that's got me here and I'm going to keep on. Like, I, I could probably... I've taken like 10 holidays in my entire career. Like, from back at the golf course mm. all the way to this... Yeah, now you grafted. Yeah, I've never, I've never stopped. So, so let's go into some granular stuff because you know this is what people love, right? So let, let's think at the the height of you uh, being a top performer. What did people love this, right? So what what did Mitch's day planet like? Like what? How did you go about 
yeah, achieving the, the outcomes that you set out? Like, what did a typical day look like for Mitch at the, the top? Again, I wish I had one. For me, I come into the, I, I plan the night before. Yeah. What do I need to get out of tomorrow that's going to make me the most amount of money? Okay. Like, so I'd be looking at the roles, who's fastest moving, and what are the highest paying fees? Where am I going to get my money from? And I'll plan my day based on those because, like, there'd be different roles every month, right? So I didn't have a day plan set for every day how it looked. But for me, it was like a to-do list was imperative. That's how I worked. So I was like, "Cool, this this client is the fastest moving. They're the highest paying. They're the most proven. I need to get six, seven people out into them. When I've done that and got coverage, I need to go to the next one. When I've done that, I need to go win a new role. Mm. Like, I, when I when I was told to go do BD, I won my role in 48 hours and mm. placed it. Won and placed it in 48 hours." Like it was just for me, it was like the non-negotiables again. Mm. It's like, what am I going to do today? I'm going to win a role. I wasn't going to leave until that happened. I find that interesting because I think early on in your career, you can some, and I'm sure you've seen this, where you don't value your time. And it seems like very early on, you were very commit. You you really made sure that like the t where you spent your time yeah. was in the best place. Yeah, yeah. I learned that from Ewan at in Dubai. Like really? the guy I lived, with, I lived with him for a year. I said he was a few years older. He was incredible at sales before, so he used to be a car salesman. He came to Dubai and I was still young, I was 18, 19 when I moved there. And what I learned from him was unbelievable. Like if I didn't meet him and I didn't go to Dubai and I got into recruitment, I probably would have So what were some of the key things then? He's relentless. Relentless. Like we used to be talk, well, we used to make about 200 to 300 calls a day. Yeah. He'd make 400, 500. Like he would be <laughs> dialing, before, like he wouldn't even put the phone down. Like he'd have the phone here and like it's still typing, like he wouldn't yeah, put it yeah, down. Yeah. It's just relentless and yeah. like, he, but then he used to leave at like half five, six. And I'll be like, do you not think you'd leave even more if you stayed longer? Like, if I haven't got what I need to do in eight, nine hours, why do I need to, what am I going to get out the next yeah, one or yeah, two? Yeah. Like, he needs to go to the gym, he needs to look after himself. Yeah. And he'll come back the next day and hit it hard again. Okay. And so it seems like he just inspired you then. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So before, before we go into you matter then, like, because I think it's important, like, how, what was the experience like going to the US then? Like, did you, before you went there, let's just get some granular stuff. So before you went there, was you sort of building the, the US business, like just talk to us a bit about that because I think that, that a lot of people, as I'm sure you've picked up on, a lot of people are currently trying to crack on with the US to have it on their business plan. Mm. So before you went over there with, with Signify, what did you, like what sort of groundwork did you do before you went over there? Uh, so we done nine months of work in US hours. Yeah. Um, and did you have like a goal to hit before you like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, we had to do a million. Million, yeah. yeah. a million quid. So then that would maybe, I guess, instill confidence of like, we'll get there yeah. and continue to build and now we've got relationships. Yeah. Okay, so did that. So what was it actually like going over there then? Like what maybe some of the, the challenges that maybe you didn't expect? I think moving to any new place is never what you expect because yeah. going on holiday somewhere, like I'd been it's to totally LA before different. and it's like, but living somewhere is completely different. Mm. Like having to get a banker's check to move into an apartment, it's like, it's just a whole different world to live in. Mm. So it's like, not only are you going to open a new office with the expectation of showing this has got to work, but you're also still pretty young. Mm. Like I'm still going over there and Charlie's young as well. Charlie's only a year or so older than me. Yeah. And me and him are moving over there and not really knowing what to do, where to go for things and trying to have the weight on our shoulders to take the business to the next level. Because mm. at that point, when we were moving over there, like he's obviously left now as well, but we were so indebted into the business. Like we yeah. were at, like we were, we were staying till the end. Yeah. So we went over there with like this huge expectation on our shoulders, but it was good over there, a good experience again. But mm. um, yeah, I wouldn't have stayed there any longer than I did. This, this America's a weird place. It, yeah, fair. I guess what, because I think a lot of people be sold this opportunity right now like anyone listening that maybe is really aspiring to be that person that goes over to the US, what advice would you maybe give them? I guess maybe personally and professionally to maybe really consider that maybe they might not be thinking about. Uh, personally, it just needs to think about like, 
where they want their life to go. Yeah. Like I was with my partner and she waited for me in the UK. Yeah. So it's like that was a constant strain. So you need to think about realistically, are you ready to give up your life yeah. in the UK? And then professionally, mm. like you can't change what you've done, what made you successful before. I've heard a lot of stuff about going to the US, doing things differently, talking right. to different people, saying different, it's, it's bullshit, man. Like yeah. for me, like I'll talk to a client in the UK, in Amsterdam, in Belgium, the exact same as I'll talk to them in the US, okay. because my service is my service, and I'm mm. gonna provide results, and I know how I do that. Mm. So like I'm not gonna beat around the bush just because the US is a different market. Mm. Like I'll be the exact same. Like I might talk to someone different, because they got a huge internal yeah, talent yeah. teams out there. So where in the UK I might talk to director of engineering. In the US I'll talk to director of recruiting, but I'll say the same thing and I'll never try and shy away from who we are or what we do. Uh, but I think that you just gotta lean into your strengths. Mm. It's like, don't go to the US and do something different because you think that's what they want. It's like, what's made you successful here or makes you successful there? So just, just lead, yeah, yeah, 100%. So let's talk about you matter then. So obviously you hit the, the first year milestone recently. Yeah. Congrats on that. Thank you, mate. So I guess let, let's start then with, what do you think has been some of the, like mentally, some of the shifts that maybe you feel like you've had to make from being a, top performer or just obviously worrying about the, the money that you're gonna, your mm. bill and, and being an employee compared to now being a business owner, you're growing a team. What have been some of the, the mindset shifts do you think? Because I think a lot of people think about setting up on their own yeah, and yeah. have a number of concerns. So what, what have you, I don't know, had to maybe change or mindset shifts maybe? People management. Yeah, like I'm, not, like, I'm not the best people manager in the world. It's something I'm always trying to work on. I'm, I'm a biller and I'm, I've got a business mind, but like I'm not a people manager. So like for me to look after people, to have their problems on my shoulders and look after that and really take that into consideration. Whereas before it's like as a team lead, I'm just, just like, cool, we need to build more. Right. And this is how you're gonna build more. And if you don't like it, like, sorry, like that's the formula. Mm -hmm. Whereas now it's like, you've got to build more. Oh shit, but something's gone on in your life. Okay, like how can we help? So it's like it's balancing the act now of, I have to talk to you as a CEO rather than a team lead. Because as a team lead, if you don't like it, go talk to the CEO. Whereas right. now I'm like, I am your, team lead, CEO, colleague, like I'm everything in one. It's really hard to balance that. So how have you worked on that? Just talking to a lot of other directors, listening to a lot of other people that are much better than what I'm at. Mm. So yeah, people I look up to. Have you, have you tried to get people in your business that yeah. can maybe get, be better at that? Yeah, Jay's wicked. Mm. Jay is, Jay's been with me since day one. Such a, like a people person, like he'll sit there and listen. People very much more approachable than I might be. <laughs> uh, we recently brought in Stefan as well as a senior consultant. He again attributes that I don't have. Um, like just an all round wicked person. I think you do that intentionally. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for me, I know where our business is going. So everything we do now, from the branding to the people we're bringing in, it's not for next year's plans. It's for seven, eight years time. I know exactly where I want our business to be. Mm. How important is that? to have clarity in that, because I think it can be, obviously you're a startup, right? You're, you're, you're in that journey. Sometimes it's, it's hard to look beyond like the, mm. the challenges directly in front of you, right? But how, how important have you found it to have a, a vision? Yeah, 100% need it, because if you don't, then there's been critical decisions I've had to make, which I probably wouldn't have made without knowing where I want to go. Okay. And uh, when I spoke with Farouk before, like well, I think it was about two, three weeks after launching, the first question he asked me is, where do you want your business to go? And I told him like straight away, and it's like, oh, like good answer like yeah. because not many people I don't think know that and I think before anyone starts their own business they've got to understand that they want a lifestyle business which is absolutely fine like mm. if you're going to build for somebody else you might as well do it for yourself if you're mm. that good uh, if you want a little like five ten man company like fair play to you 
But if you want to build something big, there's decisions you've got to make early on mm. to give yourself the runway to do that. There's no point in me building a lifestyle business now or building it in a certain way for three years down the line having to switch it. Like everything we do now is for where our end goal is at. Mm. And then how, how has that helped? Like, has that also sort of helped when hiring and the people part? Because would you say that people, has helped you get people buy into that and also when you're hiring people, or like even when people are working, it's something that they can anchor to as well. Like, has it helped on that side? Yeah, 100%. So we have a very clear plan where we're going and everyone buys into that. And we've got a growth plan in the business and out of our business, which sounds a bit no, crazy no, I like to hear. That. But yeah, like, outside. Um, like I don't want, I don't expect everyone to be a director of UMatter. Like mm. it's absolutely fine. Like people, a lot of people fall into recruitment. Like a lot of our team have never done recruitment before. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you don't have to do this forever. Like mm. I hope you do. Like it'd be wicked to have you here at the end. But realistically, if you want to own whatever you want to own, your own brand, like even if it's your own recruitment company, your own product, you've got this idea, a clothing brand, whatever it is, mm. like we'll help you do it. And I know it's like won't help turnover numbers when we're looking in the future, but if I can look back at the last 40 people that left over the last four years and all of these people went and done their own thing, I don't, I don't really care what somebody else thinks about our turnover numbers. For me, it's about giving people a platform mm. for what they really want to do. Because that's all I ever wanted, really. Mm. Like every business I've been in from the estate agency to the real estate to recruitment, like all I wanted was to be treated with respect and given... Just leave a better person. Yeah, or... like I wanted to be given a platform for what I want to do. And uh, that's what I'm trying to create here. And if people stay because they feel fulfilled enough, amazing. Mm. And if people want to go and do their own thing, then I'll equally feel as inspired and very proud if they, if they go off and do their own thing. No, yeah, I love that. Why don't we just very quickly think about then, a lot of people want to start their own recruitment company. And I think it's very, the, the typical sentence I'll hear is like, we want to do things differently, right? So yeah. as you said, at the early part of this conversation, you met three, four companies, they're all the yeah. same. So what, what was Mitch's intention when we were thinking about how, how is matter going to be different? Like, how did you think about that? This podcast is proudly partnered with Vincere. Now, you should know by now that they are on the quest and their vision and mission is to be and become the operating system for growing recruitment companies. Well, you may or may not have seen, but I'm here to tell you that they've recently added another fantastic piece of kit to their overall amazing system. It's called Vineo. You can probably guess what it is. A lot of you, and for the last two or so years, have probably accelerated your use of video. So having a tool which is seamlessly in your uh, CRM, what you use every day to prospect candidates, prospect clients, to use video in in your interview process, just going to make your life a whole lot easier. So just another amazing reason why you need to check out Vincere if you're looking for an all-in-one platform, the operating system that you need as you scale your recruitment business, then you have to consider Vincere. Use the link in the show notes. Because you're a recruitment mentors listener, you will get an exclusive discount and price. So use that link and you will not regret it. Well, I hear that phrase a lot, like we want to be different. And um, I, I don't know what people do differently a lot, to be honest. Like there's a few few businesses out there that I think are really cool. And I, I, don't know, I didn't actually come across them until I found it. So like SR2, like mm. I didn't know about them when I was planning. And yeah. I thought like what I wanted to do, like putting people at the center and be responsible. Like I didn't know that existed. Like I never come across them. I've done a lot of research as well. Like a lot mm. of planning went in. Like I was planning like, for like a year before I launched. Mm. And then I, I just wanted it to be like genuinely like, we're not reinventing the wheel, right? Like we're not the recruitment's recruitment. Like we're providing mm. a better service, but what we're doing differently is 
genuinely looking after our people. Okay. And that's what I think we're doing differently. And that will translate into that better service. And it was only when I launched, I come across SR2 SRT, and Chris, yeah. and I was like, oh shit, like it actually mm. works. Like, because <laughs> when I first started, I was like, God knows if it's gonna work. Like, does putting people first actually work? I'm not sure. Like, just, mm. And then I saw, come across SR2 about two months in, and that was, we, we, were, getting a good, we were getting a good start. So I felt good, and then I come across these guys, mm. and I was like, oh shit, like, there are, there are legs to this. When you say putting people first, what, what do you actually mean? Like, talk to us about some, like, what, how does that actually show up in your business? Like well, I suppose it's to be, to be clear on that as well, it's putting people first that, that are right for our business. Like there are 40,000 recruitment companies in the UK mm. and every time I interview someone, I share that with them, that whatever they want in a business, they can find. This is how our business looks mm. and this is what our expectations are mm-hmm. and this is what you get out of it. Like our OTE is 100K. Okay. So it's like, hit your target, you're taking home six figures. Yeah. So like, I don't know any other recruitment company that does that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, for me, if you want, you want that, come in and we'll give you everything to hit it. Mm-hmm. And like, we, we won't talk to you like a twat and yeah. we'll give you respect but we also expect a lot back from you as well mm-hmm. and if that's the business for you you have everything that we have to offer mm-hmm. training our time like call mm. me 24 7 mm. i'm there for you professionally personally but you've got to give back to us as well you've got mm. to work hard and give that similar dedication mm. and that's for me like there are other businesses that will offer different things that will be right for other people which is absolutely fine like there's so many businesses out there that i respect and look up to that i wouldn't take their employees because they're not the right people for me and vice yeah. versa so okay. the people we've got are very unique to what we're building and mm. uh, I'll, I'll give them everything to, for them to be successful. What's been the, the strategy then? So I know we, we're just catching up and you're saying going on this journey now of um, really focusing on the US and these things, but what have been like the key things that you've been really aiming to do and achieve this year that, yeah, I guess things that you, you've done that have really helped you to achieve what you wanted to basically. So if, straight away, did you know that you were going to focus on the US or the other particular, I don't know how. Yeah, what, US what was, was the day sort of strategy? one. Was day it? one. Well, even before we launched, before we launched, um, I had uh, a client that never worked with before, but I knew him for a long time. Mm. Um, four days before I launched, he reached out to me and saying, "I've seen your LinkedIn. You're not there anymore. Presume you're doing your own thing. Mm. Wanted to work with you for a long Can time. Yeah. Um, I'm willing to pay you 100% upfront for six roles." Wow. So I was like, literally before I even launched on that day, like. It took, a, it took a week and a half or so, so it <clears throat> did get agreed after the launch day. Yeah. But yeah, even before it happened, like we were in the US like day one. Mm. Was that the main, the main sort of part of the plan? Or was that was the objective the whole time, yeah. Let's do that. Why? I'd, I've been, I'd been working in the US for two and a half years before, right. before, before I started in European contracts and then went to Perm US. And it's just it's a different level out there. The opportunity for like the, the quantity of roles, like the, mm. how it's not being tapped up, like mm. you can go in there and really seize it but also just the sheer deal values, mm. um, the partnerships you can create out there, mm. like the way they work, like really become an extension of their brand. Mm. Whereas in Europe, like I know people are doing better stuff now and recruiters are getting more respect, but it's a, it's a necessary evil, I think. Like people like, feels like that. Yeah, like they're like, oh, we, we, we need you, we don't want you, but we're mm. going to use you. Whereas the US, it's like, if they decide to partner with you, you can seriously be like their partners. Like, I'm in, I'm in Slack channels. Like, yesterday I went to one of the uh, board meetings for one of our companies. Oh, wow. So like, I'm fully integrated in these teams. Mm. And we're not doing anything different. It's just retained recruitment. And we're going to roll out some different models this year. So year one was all about how much money can we make? Like, yeah. we need to fill up this bank account because our reinvest. next few years are going to be yeah, reinvesting. So year two now is all about structure. Mm. We've got a pretty ambitious target. Um, it was actually our, like our five-year target initially when I'd done our business plan. We're, we're now aiming for this year, um, which we're already, already made. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, we already make a big dent in as well. <laughs> but I don't care if we hit that or not. Like, yeah. This month, I've just sort of had so much clarity of like, I don't care if we hit that. 
It's all about structure this year, getting the right people in the right place mm. so I can work on the business and not in the business because that's okay. what I'm doing now. Like year one in the trenches, billing, yeah. working 8.30 to 11 at night. Like I literally gave it all last year mm-hmm. and I could do that again. Like I can build a million years. Like it's mm. fine. Like I can keep turning up and doing it. But where do you go from there? Yeah. So I'm trying to put that structure in place and promote You don't want the business to be reliant on you though, do exactly. you? Exactly. So I need to work on it. Like, I'm not really a salesman. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not even the best recruiter in the world. Like, mm. I'm just, I'm, I've, I believe I've got a very good business mind. Okay. And I know I can take this business to a whole other level. So talk, talk to me about, because people will be interested, talk to me about some of the, the key principles that you feel can help people succeed in America. Because, as I said, a lot of people are looking at it because of a number of the reasons yeah, that you've said. But from your experience so far, could be one, two, three, I don't know, what are some of the key principles you think in, in getting the American piece right? So it's, it's similar to what we talked about on the first question, like the same attributes, but I think the thing you need to do to get it right is dedicate yourself. Okay. If you're gonna try and do UK time zones and literally switch off at half five, you're working for three hours a day. Yeah. Like that's the only crossover you're getting. So it's like, if you're gonna go for it, you need, you need to go for it. Mm. Like I'll, I'll be honest with you, like the start of this year, so last year I was working those hours, 8.30 to 11 o'clock at night yeah. all year. This year, I've sort of took my foot off the gas and focused on Europe and work normalish yeah. time zone. Yeah. And our US side has dropped massively. Okay. So we've recently made the shift that our whole team, our, yeah, half our company is US, half is EU. And the US half is now going to be dedicated to mm. US time zone. And that's part of getting that structure right now. Mm. Um, and we will be open in the US, but it's going to be Dubai first next year. And then we're going to be going to Miami after. Okay. So it's like we've why, got... Why Miami? Easier time zone. So LA was really tough to communicate with the UK team. We literally had an hour crossover. Okay. So I don't want a, a team to be in LA and me not to have hardly any communication with them. Sure. So Miami is five hour time zone, much, much more manageable. And it's still a nice place. Like you still get the benefits of the sunshine, the yeah. lifestyle. Because really these, these offices open are purely talent attraction. It's, it's not business related at all. Like mm. I'm not going there to liaise with clients. Like we're going there so we can put amazing recruiters there and they will continue working with clients across the globe. Mm. Okay. What are some of the things then, just thinking of, of people that like are on this journey or thinking about and, and I guess want, want some insight into like, I know you're saying like literally just treat it the same, but some people may be sceptical about that because yeah, it's d- different culture, yeah. different people. Yeah. But I guess what, what do you think besides the hard work, the dedication, what are some of the things that you think that you, you guys have done well to, to really start building tr- great traction? Uh, US, relationship building. Okay. But again, I do that in the UK, which I think has always set us apart in Europe. Like, mm. we've got wicked relationships with our clients in Europe. But I think, yeah, you, you need it in the US. Mm. Whereas like, in the UK, like, it's that necessary evil that even if you haven't got the best relationship, they'll probably still work with you. Mm. Whereas in the US, like, it's, it's a must-have. Mm. And that, that's not to mean, like, you're chatting about their day and getting to know about them and their family. Like, you don't have to do all that, but mm. you just have to be a lot more long-term think with them. Find mm. out about the business problems and how you can add value and mm. what, yeah, what, like what weight, yeah, like what weight can you take off them? Like what solution can you provide them? Yeah. But it sounds crazy saying that's like a US fix. You should be doing that in Europe. You and if, if you're that, not, yeah. you're missing a trick. Because like, yeah. people have this illusion as well that the US is this massive market where you're gonna become a big biller and you can't do that in Europe. Like I build just as much in Europe as I do in the US. Mm. Like there's no difference between the two. It's just, opportunities just, it's just, just the opportunities in the US for go and build those relationships. But on the other spectrum, if you do that in the US and bring that back to the EU, you'll do it clear as well in the EU yeah, yeah. as well. So, so it, it is true then, because the, the common things that we've heard is the, the fees are typically larger. Yeah, which are, the, yeah. The, um, the obviously perception of a recruitment consultant or a headhunter, whatever, is, yeah. is a lot better. Yeah, yeah. And obviously these things can just massively help if you're really good at your craft, yeah. you can deliver, and these things. Yeah. Um, I think you've got to be a good guy. 
<laughs> I think I think the two attributes to make a good recruiter is money hungry and mm. a good person. Mm. If you're if you're money hungry without being a good person, you won't get very far because you'll get caught out early on. You won't build the relationships. And if you're just a good person without any m- money desire, like you won't push enough push, to, yeah. to make the money. So you need the combination of both. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. What just quickly because it's a big place, right? Have you have you tried to focus on like a particular state, or have you been quite open? Like, what? How is that sort of? So pre-COVID, right we did um, like that's when we moved to LA. Like we did try and focus on New York and San Fran okay. because we could monopolize the markets really easy. Like you, you get the five, six best companies in that state, and then you're like, laughing. You, yeah, you find you find the person, and you you, you, you you don't even have to ask for exclusivity. Like you you, mm. you get them out to all the best places. You're placing them. Okay. Whereas now, like the whole thing with distributed teams going remote, it's given more opportunity, but it's made things harder. Because oh, in, ter- in, in terms of like, so you could be working with a company in New York, but now they could be hiring in other people in other yeah. states, whereas before, oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a good thing that opens talent pool, but it's a hard thing because it opens the talent pool too much. Yeah, yeah, because so like yeah, com- it could be quite hard to where to focus your time or yeah, where yeah. to focus the area. Yeah, so we, yeah, there's, there's no real focus. The focus is the US. So we have a US team uh, with a split heavily on the US, but then also um, two people dedicated to Canada and then okay. one person dedicated to South America, but heavy is the US. Yeah. They just got to get as much coverage as possible. But yeah, yeah. it's a big place, and that's why it'll be our biggest team. So, a couple of things before we finish. Then, so what people are always interested? What sort of um, piece of technology and things like that have you invested in that have helped on on the journey with the American piece? Yeah, hardly any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I know that's probably the opposite answer of people here. But no, fair. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, that's also good to hear. Yeah, I, don't, right? I just don't believe in automating stuff. Okay. It's like it's a people business. Like the whole idea of you matter is putting people back at the center okay. and having things automated or outsourcing things. I don't think does any good. Mm. Um, obviously, I use Vincere. Like yeah. I hate CRMs. I always have, yeah. and that's the best CRM I've ever used. And we okay. utilize it. But yeah, for me, like I don't invest in tech. Like, really? Yeah, we just do everything ourselves and just make sure people are on top of it. Okay. That's, I know that's an awful one to do there. No, that's like, fair. Obviously, because I think obviously the mindset can be like, you need to have all these things to do well, right? I think well, you get right? caught so, up in it. I think yeah, you get exactly. caught up in the tech. So what, what surprised you then, so far? Two ends of the spectrum, how quick it would take off. Okay. Like, we'd done 250% of our target in our first year. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be four to six people. We're now 15, and we, yeah. we're not slowing down. Like, we're going to be, you've seen the office, 34 yeah. people office. Like, that's going to be filled. So like it's just bigger, so much quicker, which has been taking a toll on me as well because I've had to readjust the how. Because yeah, how, how, how have you have you have you managed all this like personally and stuff? Because we've spoken about this. Yeah. Because when you spending time with your partner, if you're working till eleven. Yeah, like it's just in between, you know, like and she gets it. <laughs> so just, just have to you've, grind you've, out. You've agreed. You've communicated. Yeah, this yeah. is the journey that I'm on. Like we know where we're going. Like in my personal life, we know where we're going. We know where the business is going. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's been amazing how quick it's taken off. Okay. But the other spectrum is how hard it is to find the people that would be willing to do what I've done. You know, like I, I thought when we started this, we thought, sweet, we'll just find loads of me's. And like loads mm. of, and I know they exist. And like when I speak to people like this, like you can't expect people to do what you've done yeah. for your own business. And I'm like, mm. no, but I've done this for other people. Mm. Like I've done this when I was in a state agency, when I was in real estate, when I worked yeah. for like I, I gave my all to everything. Mm. And I'm, it's hard to find the people that are willing to give their all, but I know they exist because Charlie done it. Yeah. Jay does it for me now. Yeah, I got you, man. You and done it in Dubai. Like, they exist. I guess it's got to be a bit of a balance, isn't there? Yeah, for me, it's realigning my expectations. Because to, to get to 30 people, are you going to have... Is it going to be yeah. made up of all those people? No, but no, there's, there, you've obviously got to, you've got to be committed to what the minimum finding, standard is. Yeah, and it's finding that bar. And we, uh, we let go of our first two people. We, really? Yeah, we grew to two people and then went back to zero. A hard decision, but circling back to... 
what I said about where I know where we're going. Like, I'm not planning two years ahead. I'm planning 10 years ahead. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they weren't right. They just weren't right. And it was a crazy... But if it was a lifestyle business, I probably would have kept them. Mm. Because if I only had a two-year plan, I probably would have kept them. Mm. But I knew in the grand scheme of things, these guys weren't right. And yeah, six months into the business, I let go of our first two people we employed. Um, and we were back at zero again. That's fair enough. Um, yeah, but because, that. yeah, I just I have, a, I have an expectation on people. And could I have done more for them, 100%? Yeah. Looking back on it, could I have given more? Could I have been a better leader? But yeah. I, I'm on my own journey as well. And I do look back on it and think, could I have done things differently? Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, I'll always protect our culture. I'll always protect the brand we're building and the standards we put in place. And if people don't meet them, there's no place yeah, for them. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's 39... 39,999 other <laughs> companies they can go to. So j- just on this topic, before we finish, because I think it's really relevant right now with the amount of companies that are doing well or hiring, like how have you, how have you like you said, most, most of the people you've hired, correct me if I'm wrong, have come without experience. Yeah. So how have you approached getting these people up to speed? A lot of people are thinking about that. Obviously, if these two people didn't quite work out, what's been the, the mindset towards getting them up to speed, getting competent? So we give a uh, go through training. So like, spend a day with me in mm. like classroom based, you could say. Yeah. Breaking down the basics, like mm. the stuff that probably people think is so simple. Like one of the first slides on our training presentation, like what is recruitment? Mm. Like why would you even need it? Yeah. I think that comes back to like my my understanding of how important a belief system is. Mm. Because if you think recruiters like should only earn this amount a year or are only valuable to this extent, you're only gonna go so far. Yeah. So from day one, I wanna drill into these guys. You are gonna be the most valuable asset yeah, to some of these belief, tech companies. The belief system. So yeah, we do a classroom based, go over the basics, then they shadow of my current team. Okay. Obviously when it was just a start, they shadowed with me directly. Whereas now they shadow with my current team and I'm trying to remain very hands-on. And that's where it comes in. I've got to stop working in the business and I've got Mm. to work on it. So it's like I try and give as much of my time to these guys as possible. So listening to their calls, playing them, like telling them the feedback from it. um, Just as much as I possibly can do, really. It's just training never stops. That's the thing. Like this, when they pass their probation or get up and running or go past this, it doesn't stop. Like Becca, for example, is currently leading from the front. She's top biller right now. Okay. I'm still giving her the most amount of training because of it, because I know she can got so much she more. Yeah, yeah, well, continues, yeah. You could just learn. leave her. Like you could just leave her now and think, sweet, she's good. Like yeah, she's good yeah, to go. Yeah. Love it. But yeah. Where are you going to be then? You've spoken a lot about you know where you want to go. Where where we, like if we were to sit down another year, two years time, where where are you going to be then? Two years time, we'll, we'll be in Dubai. Dubai. Uh, we'll be in Dubai. We'll go back there. I'm not going back. Oh, okay. I'm not going back. Jay's going back. Okay. Then we'll be in Miami in two years time. Yeah. Um, opening that office, uh, we'll have a lot of structure. We're going to build a lot of our own technology in between this time as well. Build our own technology. We're building our own technology, and uh, when it's all said and done, we'll be uh, we'll be valued at a billion. A billion. Yeah, B, <laughs> B, a billion for <laughs> a B. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds crazy, and it, I think it's I think it's a little bit crazy. But when I chatted with Farouk, mm. the, my my first two weeks, I broke down why I wanted to get to four hundred and twenty million. Okay. And he was so on board. He was like, "Yeah, sweet." Let's do it. Sounds sounds yeah, super you easy. Better, you gotta believe in something. So as soon as he as soon as he said like four twenty is easy, like cool, we're just good this e bit dial, we'll break it down, yeah, this is yeah, the multiplier yeah, yeah. you get. I was like, oh maybe I'm shooting too low. So yeah, a billion. Like we will get to a billion. Love it. By the end of the decade. Mitch, love it. Keep doing what you're doing, mate. Thank you, mate. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope there were plenty of golden nuggets for you to take away. 
As you'll know, I'm your host here of the Recruitment Mentors podcast, but I'm also the founder of Recruitment Mentors. We're a online subscription-based learning and education platform. We're on a mission to help thousands of recruiters achieve their professional goals and successfully progress their careers through modern and engaging online learning. If you're a recruitment business owner listening to this, there's a good chance that you value self-development, personal development. You're trying to develop a culture of continuous improvement. But we've partnered with a number of growing recruitment companies who were struggling to understand how they can invest more in their people, how they can upskill them more quickly without spending more time, without having to spend thousands of pounds of external trainers. And we've ended up being a really great fit, modern fit for recruitment teams. We can ultimately help you get more out of your teams by giving your people access to modern and engaging online learning, which they can access on demand. The thing that's really cool about what we're doing at Recruitment Mentors is that all of the people that your teams are able to learn from and the people that are delivering the learning content are people that are in role right now. They're billing, they're actively facing the challenges that your teams are, and a lot of the time they're amongst the top performers within their companies, which means your teams are going to be way more confident to learn and spend time on their learning when they know they're learning from people that are doing it right now, have been there and done it. There's nothing worse than feeling like training is not relevant and not current. The best place to find out more about Recruitment Mentors and if we can help you accelerate your team's performance is uh, send me a message on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn directly and I'd love to connect with you and, and find out if we can help you get more out of your people.